The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. This entire psalm is simply unpacking the Lord is my shepherd. That's the statement and everything underneath is saying because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He leads me. He lets me rest. He renews me. He guides me. He strengthens me. He restores me. He's with me. He feeds me even in the midst of my enemies. He honors me. He fills me. He takes care of me. He makes me blessed. He pursues me. He's my home. Right? The final verse, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. He's not saying someday. He's saying right now and forever. I'm already there. I already dwell in the house of the Lord. He's already my father. I already belong. I already belong. I already am the beloved. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Or I shall not want. Could you just silence the notifications? I have all that I need or I shall not want. It's, it's, not, it's not saying it's going to be okay. It's not saying I will get what I need. It's saying I have what I need. If I think I don't, I lack perspective. If I think I'm not okay, not enough, don't have enough, can't do enough, ain't smart enough, don't have enough love, don't have enough friends, don't have enough money, don't have enough whatever, I've lost perspective. I have what I need. I have him. If I'm alone in prison with nothing, I have all that I need because he is with me. If I'm with plenty, with tons of friends and lots of feasts, That's not what gives me all I need. If I'm with him in my heart, if I'm resting with him in my heart, if I'm walking with him, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. This is a verse to sit with. This is a passage to sit with. This is one of those I can't sleep. What do I do? Passages. You come here. And if you have it memorized like Carl has since he was four, then you don't need to get your little phone out with the backlit dark mode and sit there and disturb your spouse. You can just sit there or lay there and you can slowly recite this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Meaning I lack nothing. I want for nothing. I will want for nothing. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. I have you, God. It's interesting. The the impulse to hoard comes from this idea that I, I, have to, I have to get, and then I have to keep, and I have to have my own supply of it so that I have what I need in case. i got to get extras. If I find something I like, i got to buy extras so that I have what I need. But the divine perspective says, I don't have to have redundant copies of anything I have. 
I don't have to. Because the Lord provided this, and if I have need later for something else, the Lord will provide whatever I, I need next. It doesn't matter if this is what he provides next. It doesn't have to be in my house, in my storage unit, in my whatever. I know that that's like difficult, though, for someone who has hoarding tendencies. There's, there's deep, deeply ingrained patterns that, that, are, that need to be deconstructed and replaced with truth. But he lets me rest in green meadows. Okay, he lets me rest. He lets me rest. He lets me rest. He lets me rest. When I'm not at rest, it's like, okay, come back. Come back. Sit down with the, with the good shepherd and figure out, all right, am, am, I, am I actually, am I here in this place? Or am I running up ahead of, you know, am I on my own? Am I at my own pace? Am I on my own project? Am I in my own understanding? Because he tends to lead us to rest, even in the work. Jesus was very productive, but he was never in a hurry. Or it seems to me that he was never in a hurry. I'm not saying he walked slow. I don't know his pace of walking. But you know the kind of hurry that comes from worry is different than the kind of deliberate pace that comes from purpose. And sometimes we find ourselves being driven through the day with a kind of, if someone gets in front of us, we are instantly offended because we're in a hurry and they are an inconvenience. And Jesus was available for the inconvenience and for the interruption because he wasn't being driven, he was being led. Difference, right? He, he, he was already okay. He wasn't trying to prove something. This is a weird feeling for, for some of us who've grown up being trained that we should be driven, then it's a very weird feeling to find yourself in Christ and, and have nothing to prove. To have nothing to prove. Nothing to earn, nothing to prove, no lies to live down, no inner critic to satisfy, no inner choir of people whose approval I seek. It's an amazing thing to have a state of rest in our soul to where we are loved and we're productive and we're available to be led by the Spirit, but we have nothing to prove. We have nothing to prove. And that's scary to some people because they want, they want everyone around them to be driven and constantly pushing the next thing. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It makes me feel alive when we're doing and doing and doing and doing. But at some point, and I really feel like this is, this is like an, older people tend to, to relate to this. The first 40 years of your life are pushing in, to, to do something in the external world, to make something in the external world. And then the second 40 years of your life, if you live that long, because it's not a guarantee, is an internal journey to where you're actually trying to allow Jesus to do internal excavation. To, it's, it's less about what we get done and it's more about who we become. And I'm not saying that you can't start at, in your teens being about who you become instead of just getting things done. But there's something interesting about coming to this place where you don't have anything to prove. I'm no longer trying to find myself through what I do for you. I'm trying to find myself in who you already say you've made me. I want to be fruited in that, but I'm not measuring my fruit for you and saying, okay, I'm valid, I'm valid. That's called rest. When you have nothing to prove and you know whose you are, rest for your souls. He renews my strength, my goodness, guys, or he restores my soul. He restores my soul. It's not your job to restore your own soul for him. You know how many of us, we go through something painful, hard, wearying, traumatic, grief-stricken, and then we think it's our job that we owe Jesus joy? And he says, actually, no, that's what I want to give you. I would like you to give me your tears. I would like you to bring me your ugly. I would like you to show me your darkness. I would like you to bring me your discontentment. I would like you to bring me your sadness, your betrayal, your anger, your resentment, your grief, your loss, your pain. And I want it to be as ugly as it is. And then I'm going to be the one who restores your soul. If you hide the ugly parts of your heart from me, then you're actually not giving me your heart. Strange, right? 
He says, I want all of you. I want your heart. I want the ugly parts of your heart. And if you'll give me the ugly, I'll restore your soul. Give me the beauty. Give me the ugly. Give me all of it. What I've noticed is it's this, the Lord is my shepherd is the antidote to alternatives we want to turn to in our pain. In our pain, in our discontentment. I have all that I need. That's, that's this. When we feel we don't have all, we, all that we need and, he, and he's not providing it, most of us find strategies to get what we think we need. Alternative strategies. The Bible calls them idols. Solomon, I'm reading through his life right now, and he was just, it looked like he was going to do great. Right after the chapter where he has his second encounter with God, where God shows up, apparently visibly shows up, it says the Lord appeared, appeared to Solomon a second time. Right soon after that, it says, even though the Lord warned Solomon not to marry foreign women because they would lead his heart astray to worship idols, he just couldn't help himself. And he just went and did it anyway. And then it says that the Lord was very angry with Solomon. He literally built idols, shrines, temples, altars to these foreign gods so that his foreign women could worship according to their traditions and their cultural things that they brought with them, their belief systems, their values. He honored them. He did the, the modern thing of the multicultural, inclusive, every, every you, you got to find you. You got to find you. It's you. Nobody can say what's true and what's real for anyone else but themselves. And meaning is you got to find meaning. You got to find values. You got to, you know, no one has a right to tell anyone else what's true or right or anything. Am I, do I sound like a modern person? And that's the value that, that Solomon brought to it. He honored his wives' traditions and legacies just like God knew he would. Because we are led in life to adopt the values of the people we are most connected to. Jesus is alive. He is a person. And if we're most connected to Jesus, we will internalize his values and we will protect his feelings. Jesus is more important than other people. He is more important than any other human that there is. And if we're super, super, super tight with Jesus and we have no other gods before us, then we can bring him our ugly and we can come to this place where we know we have what we need in him. But if we don't have that kind of relationship with him, then we're deeply dissatisfied. Or if we're hiding parts of our heart from him, we're not letting him shepherd us and satisfy us and restore us, most of us will find other coping mechanisms, relationships, pursuits, achievements, whatever, to try to make ourselves feel okay. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but humans are not doing okay. Most humans on planet Earth are not doing okay. And almost everyone is trying to turn to something to feel better. People say things like, I just want to be happy, as though that's a small thing. That's a huge ask. Just want to be happy? Dude, almost nobody in human history has been happy. 0.009% of the human population of history has been happy. It's a huge ask. It's a massive spiritual like high-level Jedi Knight, actually, it's, a, it's Jesus-level spiritual mastery to be content in God. And people ask, like, oh, I just want to be happy. It's a massive trend. It requires everything of you to be happy. You have to actually die to almost everything that's keeping you pursuing things you don't need. And not just money, not just greed, the enemy of contentment. Not just greed, Comparison. If I had their husband, if I had their wife, if I had their house, if I could do this for the Lord, if I had this prayer life, if I had this understanding, if I had children, if I had a career, if I had fill in the blank, all of it, greed. All of it kills contentment. And he's going, with you, Jesus, you as my shepherd, I have all that I need. And walking with you, you do all these things that every other God I've turned to can never do. So many times in the scripture, all the gods of the nations are man-made. They don't hear, they don't act, they don't answer. And yet, and yet, it's the dominant theme of the story is people going, 
If we try harder, maybe it'll work. Maybe if we do it this way, it'll work. It's trying to find how to get it to work. And some people even say, try Jesus. If you don't like it, the devil will take you back. And I'm like, don't try Jesus. He's not another strategy for you to get what you want out of your life. You don't try Jesus. You die to yourself once for all, and you live from then on for Jesus alone instead of yourself. But idols is what I'm talking about. We turn to these other things. Some of us turn to idols because we don't want to show Jesus our ouchy parts. Guys, or it can be girls too, looking at porn is, is a withholding of, my, of that part of my heart, my deep desire for sexual satisfaction. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here. I'm going to leave J- Jesus and his will behind. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to hide that from him, so to speak. We know better than to know. We know he sees. But for that moment, we choose to turn off our, our understanding and, and hope he doesn't see. It's an amazing thing when you can bring Jesus into the bedroom and you're actually praying in the midst of lovemaking. Did that go on the podcast? It did. When, I, when we hide parts of our life, parts of our heart from Jesus or think he doesn't satisfy, man, I just, I, I really, really want us to orient our souls this way. And this passage is a good way to help orient our souls this way. Sit with it. Pray it slowly. Rest in it. And talk to God on the basis of it. Like, it's an amazing thing. He's not asking you to be happy every day. He's not. And if you think it's your job to make yourself feel better, instead of to bring your real self to Him and be as you are, and sow your tears in the good ground of His absolutely amazing, trustworthy love and care. Guys, this makes a good sermon, but to do it is uncomfortable. To do it is uncomfortable. I've preached it for years. Living it is harder than preaching it because I find myself wanting to give him something better than my grief. I just wish I was over whatever it is on that day. Another thing that we, that we turn to instead of Jesus as our shepherd in the modern world, man, in the modern world, we turn to this for everything fast. And I don't want to paint with a broad brush by saying the word we as though everyone in the room is me. I think 300 years from now, people will look back on the, the internet and cell phones and the rise of whatever's coming next because of this, this weird fusion of humans with the technology that connects us to be in more places than one at a time. At all times, the spreading thin of our attention so that I don't have to be where I physically am and I can do nine things at the same time poorly. Oh, I'm sad? I don't have to feel sad. Watch something, listen to something, text something, do something. Oh, I'm uncomfortable in the social situation? I have an excuse because I'm very important-ish. What do I do when I wake up? This. What do I do when I can't sleep? This. What do I do in the midst of whatever? I, 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 I can't just run. I have to listen. I can't just drive. I have to listen. I can't just sit in silence with Jesus and let him be my shepherd because I have to listen to a sermon by someone else who actually did. I can't just be with God. I has to, it has to be Christian music. It has to be in more and more and more and more in, 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 in. Meanwhile, there's, uh, there's stuff in your soul that needs to come out to the Lord, but it can't come out because you keep shoving stuff, spiritual stuff, non-spiritual stuff, down in your mind and keeping yourself from thinking your thoughts and feeling your feelings. Yoda said it. Never was his mind where he was. Never were his thoughts on what he was doing. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yep. It's a scene on Dagobah where he's saying, Luke's, he's not going to make a good Jedi. Because he doesn't know how to be here with himself in this moment and nowhere else. That's actually what Jesus has called us to. To do one thing at a time. That when I'm here, I'm here and nowhere else. That when I'm washing the dishes, I'm here, I'm washing the dishes. The other day my wife's like, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you've been washing the dishes for like two hours and you haven't put, or three hours actually probably, and you haven't put earbuds in. You're not watching anything on YouTube. What is going on? I said, hmm, yeah, you're right. I didn't. No, I didn't explain. 
But the Lord's calling me to let him be my shepherd. He's calling me to stop turning from him to things for him and seemingly of him or about him or not about him, just educational or entertainment. Maybe this is only me right now, but if we don't learn to embrace the silence and the stillness and feel our feelings and think our thinkings authentically, even if they're yucky and ugly and painful and we'd rather not, then how can we say the Lord is my shepherd? I'm my own shepherd. I'm my own physician. I'm my own teacher. I'm my own Holy Spirit. Oh, I found this. The algorithm sent me to this song, and this song is now the theme of my life, and we blame the Holy Spirit for the algorithm. I would say this, Carl. Um, need to ask? You need to ask to give your soul and its authentic desires a voice. You need to ask to let him in deeper to those things you can't help but want. And then in the act of asking is a surrender. So that in the meantime, or if the answer is no, you've already surrendered. But that those, those petitions finding a voice is part of what it means to bring your whole self to him. If I only go to God for what he can give me, I'm not going to God. I'm just trying to use God for my agendas. But when I, man, my, my Clucker's Corner market boss lady, when I heard that she asked the Lord for a pair of shoes that she definitely didn't need, and I judged her for it immediately in my heart, and then the Lord rebuked me, then I learned something. The, this is what the, she's, I asked the Lord for them shoes, and I was like, oh, girl, you probably got a closet full of shoes you don't need. I didn't say it, I just thought it. And right away the Lord was like, Tim, her asking me for what she only wants is more faithful than you not asking me for what you even need. You think because you don't ask me for what you want, that's better? She's actually got more of her heart available to me than you do. Meanwhile, you're judging her for it. I was like, oh, dang. But I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I don't need to ask him... I don't need to ask him to ensure he does take good care of me, but I might need to ask him to ensure that we are having the conversations we need to have. Do you know what I mean? Interesting point, Carl. Here's some, here's some seeming contradictions. Ready for th- like three seeming contradictions? When I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid for you're close beside me. Contradiction number one, his presence and the fellowship will be experienced more in the dark valley. Didn't see that coming, right? His presence and fellowship will be experienced more in the dark valley. Another contradiction or seeming contradiction. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Well, hold up now. If you say rod and staff, it seems like it's going to be um, hmm, correction and maybe punishment. And I mean, even if you're just redirecting the sheep with a little whack, ow, you know, most of us don't have rod and staff positive. We don't think protect and comfort with rod and staff. And we don't think presence and fellowship with the darkest valley and just no fear at all because of that presence and fellowship. Third, third contradiction. There's food on the front lines. You prepare a feast for me where? I remember a season where I said, Lord, anywhere else, please. Why? Why there? Why there? And he's like, because I want them to see me bless you. I want them to see you vindicated. There's food on the front lines. Do you prepare a banquet, a feast for me? And where is it? It's in the fight. 
It's in the presence of my enemies. Some of us are like, I cannot enjoy my life until this battle is over. Once this battle season is over, once this struggle is over, once this thing is resolved, then I'll be able to eat, to feast, to relax, to enjoy again. There's food on the front lines. In fact, the best food is on the front lines. Maybe that's why we feel so starved in our spirits. Just maybe if we get back to doing what we're supposed to be doing, bringing the kingdom, we'll find the feast for our souls that we've been missing. So those are the three, three little contrasts or contradictions that I, that I saw in this. Is darkest valley, you are close beside me. I don't need to be afraid. Rod and staff, protect and comfort me. Presence of my enemies, feast. God the Father preparing a feast for me in the middle of the fight, and it's not anywhere else. I remember kind of being introduced to church culture, and we call these meetings where we go to like be more with God and each other than usual. I never figured out why we call them a retreat. Like we should probably call them an advance, <laughs> not a retreat, because because they aren't a retreat. Retreat, <laughs> flee for your lives. <laughs> no, that's not what they are. They're at, they're in advance. They're us actually getting diligent and hungry and and more intense and being more aggressive. It's us going more on offense to be more intentional about each other and about God and take time to hear. Right? They're not, they're in advance. I like that. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Just just know it. Like we don't have to we don't have to say, Lord, please anoint me. Just declare you have anointed me and just wait and rest till the anointing starts to flow over you. You can do that every single day. You can sit still and sit in this verse until the anointing begins to flow over you. You ain't got to go to a special service, but do if you want. You ain't got to have Joel lay hands on you or whoever lay hands on you, but do if you want. God loves Joel. God loves to bless you through Joel's hands. But you can also just sit right there with the king and let him anoint you right here and now, like wherever you are, he's with you. David prayed this without a conference. He, didn't, he isn't saying, I wish these people could go to this conference and then they'd be anointed and their cup would overflow. No, he, it's in your walk with the Father. I love revivals, but you know what revivals are? They are not because of the people on the stage or even the prayer warriors who prayed for them. They are because God will come near when we come near. And I got no problem going, staying at all. If you said to me tomorrow, let's go to such and such revival, I'd be like, okay, let's figure out, I guess, how we're going to do that. Especially if you said the Lord told me to go. Anyone can burn in a movement. God's looking for someone who can burn when there's no one else around but him and, him and them. Anyone can burn in a movement. You know? And then we fool ourselves into thinking we're on fire. But can we actually sit in silence? And, and this is the weird thing that's going on with me is I, I'm, I'm doing only one thing at a time and I'm going very analog and uh, I thought I'd be bored. When I'm driving the car, I'm not listening to anything. When I'm, when I'm working with my hands, I'm just working with my hands. Whatever I'm doing, I'm just doing that. I'm not multitasking. I'm just being with God here and now. And I, it's, it's, silly, it's silly, it's silly that the way Christians lived for thousands of years because they didn't have phones and didn't have radio and didn't have TV and didn't have books. Books was rich people. They just had this, their body, their mind, and the Holy Spirit. That's right. And they were lucky that they got to go one day a week and hear someone open a scroll and read to them from God's book. The Bible they got, they heard at church. And, and you would think, oh, those poor people. And I go, I think we're the poor ones. I think we're the poor ones. I think we, we would be doing ourselves a favor. Okay, this is a point I was just trying to make a while back and distracted myself. I think hundreds of years from now, hundreds of years from now, people are going to look at this I'm talking about the impact this thing is going to have on civilization and the psychological, emotional, relational, spiritual development of youngins. 
the, the capacity for culture creation and influence will be so dramatic and powerful that it will transform society more than the printing press and more than the gas-powered engine. And we'll look at this like, like the way the Hebrews looked at the fall of man. Last night, the internet stopped working, so I spent a few hours with my family. They seem like good people. Oh. You said it. You said it right there. That's it. You said it. That's the whole point. And it's not just my family. It's Jesus himself. And I am for sermons. I am for worship music. I am for all, like, all the wonderful content the Lord's graced us with, with the technology. I'm not even saying this is evil. I'm saying this changes things. And we don't know how to use it yet. We don't know what we're doing yet. We don't understand what this is yet. And this next generation is going to grow up and never know what it's like not to have it. And I'm going, you know what? Man, they're going to need some people to be able to look at who have lives that are so rooted in God. I would say analog lives in a digital world. Handmade people. That's right. In a factory-made world. Handmade people. One-offs. Because originals are priceless and copies are worthless. People whose lives tell you they're a voice, not an echo. I'm not just a reflection of all the crap, even the Christian crap I put in me, but I'm a voice because I've lived with a person deeply and slowly in my silence. I've let him have access to my pain and my sadness and my loss and my addictions and my brokenness. And because of that, I've had so much joy and connection and healing and green pastures and rest for my soul and like I have this test these testimonies of how he came through for me time and again and raised me from the dead over and over this is the journey I'm on guys it's a weird journey I'm on I feel like the Lord's like calling me into the wilderness and I go wilderness huh and he goes no not the desert it's not the desert where nothing grows it's the place where it's quiet enough for you to hear me I got these chargers in my office little charger, the little wall warts. They take the alternating current, 110, 120, somewhere in between there, and they adapt it down to like 9 volts DC or 5 volts DC and send it down for your little cell phone charger. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever put your ear right up next to one of them? Some of them, if the load's too high or if the way the little architecture inside of them is, they get harmonic resonance their, their little tiny parts are moving so fast that they begin to resonate and they'll emit a high-pitched, even rhythmic noise. Now, I never noticed this before because I've always had music in my room on when I talk to God, when I read, when I type, when I pray as I'm working in my home office. But since I've started to sit and do only one thing, I can just about not handle the sound of these wireless chargers. And I'm over there and I look like a crazy person trying to figure out which one it is and how to get it to stop. Maybe it's my, oh, it's my, it's my LED light that I have on the, if I have my LED light on white, it makes that noise. And I know if it's, if it's more of an orange, if it's in the 3200 Calvin, oh man, that's making a noise. But then I turn it to red and it goes silent. Okay, good, I fixed that. Good, I fixed that. Oh, no, I hear it again. High-pitched noise that the teenagers could hear, but I'm old enough, my ears hardly hear it. And I'm over there, and there's a noise in the room that's been there the whole time, and I never noticed before because I've always had noise masking. Imagine, Jesus says in Matthew 10, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roof. You can't hear me whispering with all the noise. Can, can we let him shepherd our souls? That requires something of us. It's not enough to keep running after doing what we want. Like, it's a weird world we live in when I see Buddhists that more, look more like Jesus than Christians. It's a weird world. And you go, what are you talking about? I watched two videos of a Buddhist the other day, and he looked more like Jesus than most Christians that I've seen in terms of his lifestyle. And it, it, it bothered me. And I said, I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna take what I just heard him say, and I'm gonna be a better Christian. Because what he said was, 
He's sold out and he has no possessions except for three tunics and a little mat. And every day he wakes up and he starts his day by remembering he's going to die. And this day is a huge blessing and a surprise and he was not owed it. And so he's going to be grateful today. And then he makes his bed because he wants to know. And you go, what do you mean make his bed? He only owns a mat and three tunics. One of them is his blanket for going to bed. And the other two he wraps up and turns them into his pillow. What do you mean make his bed? He has nothing. Well, he organizes his few items. And he said, we make our bed to train our soul to know that we will not shirk any of our moral responsibilities today. We will not overlook a piece of trash. We will not mistreat another human. We, We will take our responsibility serious today. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to lay there before we even wake up and we're going to give our heart to the reality that I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to die soon. Soon I'll be dead. But surprise, surprise, I'm not yet. So I will live today in gratitude. Nothing he said violated the Bible. In fact, I have Bible verses for every point he made, except one thing which I was intrigued by. Then he talked about every day acts of generosity, acts of charity, acts of giving every single day to break greed and to orient my soul to wisdom. Are you hearing this? Guy's a Buddhist. And, that, and you're going, everything he said is Bible. Everything he said is Jesus, except this. He said, we do this so that we can amass merit. Oh, finally, I was like, because I kept waiting to hear where the differences are. Because so much of what he said, I was like, I want that lifestyle. He's living as though he had a rabbi. He's not living as an American who says, I do whatever I want and I have grace and I said the sinner's prayer, so I basically live pagan in every way, except sometimes I give money to an offering and then I go back out and I do whatever I want because I got grace. This Buddhist looks way more like a disciple of Jesus than that guy to me. Way more. He's actually giving himself to being formed by a set of beliefs to become something different. But that merit piece... Mm, you poor guy. I was like, dude, you need Jesus, man. It's a self-salvation project he's working on. I'm not working on a self-salvation project. I'm allowing Jesus in. I'm going to do very similar things to him, but i got a real living person who's talking to me on, this, on the other side of, of mine. Anyway, I don't mean to... I'm not trying to insult Buddhism. That's not my point. My point is actually I was intrigued And then my kid Israel says to me that Muslims are better Christians than Christians in terms of they actually treat the Quran like it's true instead of playing games with it to make it mean what they want it to mean. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when they they read something in the Quran, they go, that's God's word, and then they have to obey it. And if they don't, they're afraid because God's holy. And he said, and look, the way they pray, they pray multiple times a day. They put their butt in the air and their face on a mat every day, multiple times a day. And I said, what do you think would happen if we did that with a real heart of faith? You know what I mean? And their stereotype of us, by the way, is that we believe in three gods and we live however we want and and say, that's what grace is for. Those were interesting conversations. Israel was so positive about uh, Islam that I said, well, then why don't you just become a Muslim? And he goes, no, Jesus is the truth. But, what, but, his point, but the point he's trying to make is there's a lot of Muslims that are devout and they believe what they're doing is right, but they're actually, they got skin in the game. They've rearranged their life around the thing. I don't know, something about those conversations and several more that I'm not going to unpack for you have led me back to this thing of believing in Jesus as it's been commonly understood is not the same as being a disciple of Jesus. No one has to ask, are you a disciple of Jesus? If, they're, if they can see your life, they'll, they'll be able to tell. If you are learning from Jesus, if you have arranged your daily routines and all your priorities around learning from Jesus as the master, you either are or you aren't, right? Like, that's obvious. Say, oh, Tim, are you currently studying Spanish or not? I am. How good are you? Well, not very good. So I'm not very good at Spanish yet. But I am a student. You go, how good are you at following Jesus? Well, by my estimation, not very good. 
but I'm definitely a student. I'm on the path. I'm learning. The other day, the Lord said to me, when's the last time I asked you to do something and you did it? Oh, oh man. I didn't, like, I didn't like that. He wasn't saying, you've been disobeying me. That's not what he was saying. He's saying, you haven't cultivated space to hear me. Now I can tell you it's happening. And it's exciting. I'm not saying I wasn't walking with him before. I'm saying, I now, I now I'm leaning in to hear the whisper in a way that I didn't know I wasn't. I didn't know those chargers made noise. I didn't know he wanted me to just wash the dishes and be with God and do it. And you know what I mean? My wife's like, it's been really nice. When you're here, you're actually here. I said, yeah, I've had all these conversations with the kids. Because when I'm eating my food, I'm not watching a video. I'm not watching something. I'm not listening to something. I'm not reading something. When I'm eating my food, you know what I'm doing? I'm just eating my food. When I'm on the toilet, you don't need these details, but when I'm on the toilet... You know what I'm doing? I'm not reading anything. I'm just using the toilet. When I'm, when I'm waking up in the morning, you think I'm flipping over to my phone. No, I'm praying. I'm waking up and I'm devoting my day to the... When I'm trying to fall asleep, do you think I'm turning to YouTube to put me to sleep or some sermon to put me to sleep or some Christian music? I'm laying there and I'm talking to God and I'm thinking my own thoughts and feelings. You know what my to-do list said today? I won't tell you, but I'll tell you the third item. Sit in silence for 15 minutes. What? When's the last time you said nothing and listened to nothing for 15 minutes? I didn't say to pray. If you want to pray, pray. If you don't want to pray, don't pray. You know why you have all your best thoughts in the shower? I said this the other day and you guys jumped in and said, I don't because I take a bath. You know why you have your best... best... I do do a lot of thinking while I'm in there. That's it. You know why you have your best thoughts when you're mowing the yard? Maybe you don't, but some people do. You can't be on your phone when you're mowing the yard. You got your hands occupied. Oh, man, Sherry told me that she used to mow the yard and like sing sing the Yellow Rose of Texas at the top of her lungs because she thought no one could hear her over the mower. And it turns out everyone could hear her over the mower. The Lord is your shepherd. You have everything you need. He makes you lie down in green pastures and he leads you beside still waters and he restores your soul. Even in the darkest valley, he's with you. His rod and his staff comfort, comfort you. He prepares a table, a feast before you in the presence of your enemies. He pours his spirit on you and anoints your head with oil to the point where your cup overflows with blessings. And surely, surely, I didn't even talk about this yet, guys. This was supposed to be my main point. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know what paranoia is? Paranoia is an irrational feeling that somebody's out to get me. Somebody's out to harm me. You know what David believes? that the maker of heaven and earth who fills everything and is everywhere, always, and is inescapable, his goodness and mercy, they're working behind the scenes and in the front scenes. They're pursuing him. It's, it's not paranoia. It's the opposite of paranoia. Not someone's out to get me. Someone's going to try to catch me. Some harm is trying to come to me. No, 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 no. He's living in this conviction that love and mercy are conspiring to bless me. That the, that the force behind everything, the mind behind everything, is making everything work together to bless me. That there's a force in the world that's trying to bless me and it can't be stopped. It's not paranoia. It's pronoia. Yeah. Uh, the hippies used to call it, they used to say the universe is out to bless me. Uh, they were right. They just didn't know his name. <laughs> but do you, do you see that? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. They're chasing me down. 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Bless you guys. Glad to see you tonight. Cultivate some stillness. I'm not saying you need to do what I'm trying to do, but do whatever it is he's calling you to do. Maybe he might be calling you to turn on a sermon. Maybe he might be calling you to turn on a song. In the same season, he's calling me to turn it off. God, we thank you for our opportunity to bring this relationship with Jesus into our day-to-day lives. You haven't called us to be Buddhist monks who sell everything and sit on a weird mat with an orange cloak on. You've called us to live in the world in different vocations, Some of us marry, some of us single, some of us teachers, some of us builders, some of us real estate people, some of us working in hospitals. You've called us not to escape the corruption in the world by literally going away, but rather by belonging to you in the world, belonging to you. You want to live Jesus in us, in our real lives. And you want us to follow you and live exactly how Jesus you would live if you were me. And you don't want us to just copy what you did, but you actually want to live something fresh and unique as though you are me. Jesus as though he were Stan. Jesus as though he were Danielle, et cetera, et cetera. So Holy Spirit, we say our yes. Cultivate all that we just talked about through David's very, very ancient prayer that we still find so incredibly powerful today. We want to open ourselves to you and let you shepherd us and shape us. God, we do ask that you bless this world in which we live. We ask for the new development that's going up in between my house and this church that I drive past. And right now all it is is streets and lights. They're just waiting for the homes to be built. Used to be a field. I ask God that you bless the people who are going to live there. I pray for there to be churches around there. I pray for there to be disciple-making activities there. I pray, God, for health there. I pray, God, for you to break out in Jesus' name. We pray for us to linger in your presence in our daily life and in our together times, that we would give you space in our heart and in our schedule to do what only you can do. We pray that you would continue to whisper to draw us closer, because you'd whisper on purpose when you could shout. Because you're waiting for us to draw closer. I'm asking God that, that everyone here would hear your voice clearer this week than before. You guys can join me in praying that God will give us 120 for this upper room. Yes. I'm not talking about 120 on Sunday morning. I'm talking about, I'm asking the Lord to give me 120 who are in one heart, one spirit. Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 2, people in the upper room. It's less about the Sunday morning crowd, guys, and it's more about the prayer meeting. I'm not not even saying, that's what I'm asking for. I asked the Lord for 120 on Sunday morning, and he, and he, he, he looked at me like, that's how small your faith is, huh? Why don't you ask me for 120 in the upper room instead? And I said, you got it. I'm going to pray that. So please, guys, join me in praying. God, give us 120 in this upper room that we could be in one heart, one spirit, praying for you to do what we could never do. It's your work. It's not based on good singing, good preaching. It's not based on dressing the right way and saying the right words. It's based on you responding to people's hunger the way you do. You responding to people's need. You responding to people's authentic pursuit. Give us 120, God, in this upper room. Hearts that burn for you. Hearts that burn for you. Only you. No idols, God. No idols, God. No idols, God. No idols, God. Search us, take the coping mechanisms and the idols and the things we built like Solomon through our wrong attachments, where he got himself into wrong relationships, wrong attachments, wrong loves, and then those things led him astray. So Holy Spirit, would you search us? Tear out the idols, the things we're leaning on that are meant 
It's meant to be your space. God, we're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. God, teach us how to linger. Pray even on Sundays that you would teach us how to linger. Teach us how to give priority to your spirit. Teach us how to let you be the purpose. Not just uh, making sure that the congregation has a meaningful service, but I'm asking, Father, that priority one would be to host you as the guest of honor. In all that we do, God, to flow with you and to give you what you are worthy of. I don't, I don't think I'm alone in, in this, this thing. I, I feel like God's, the last several months, been not just me, not just even Gateway. I think his people are being called deeper. Come away, my love. Come away. Come be with me. Let me speak tenderly to you again.